0: Last month, the 123rd Boston Marathon was successfully completed. Marine Corps veteran Micah Herndon ran in that marathon. He ran for three of his friends who were killed uh, while serving in Afghanistan when the vehicle that they were in ran over an improvised explosive device. Micah had their names tattooed. On his hand, Ballard, Hamer, Juarez. As he ran, he chanted their names. Ballard, Hamer, Juarez. Ballard, Hamer, Juarez. According to reports, with about four miles left in the race his legs began to uh, really, really give him some problems. And with 100 yards left to the finish line, his legs gave out, and he collapsed. Marine Corps veteran, Micah Herndon, only knew there was one thing that he could do, and he crawled. It wasn't that his legs were in pain. His legs weren't working anymore. And he crawled. He was so disappointed in what he was doing for the last 100 yards. One of the reasons he was running in the race is to get a good enough time so that he could uh, also be entered into the New York City Marathon. And because of this finish... He wasn't going to have the time and therefore would not be permitted to run in the race. Those who run the New York City Marathon did not ignore what this man did. And three days after the race, they ignored his time and gave him an invitation to run in just a few months in the New York City Marathon. What he thought was going to be a failure was a victory now I don't know how many of you have ever run in a marathon I don't know how many of you would ever even consider running in a marathon but I do know that many of you have run into difficulty you have run into trials you have run through challenges and it really can be a huge challenge When you do that, there are days that you feel like you just want to quit. And sometimes there are days that you fall, you collapse. It's the day when the only thing you can do is hope for the end of the day where you can just go home and clean up and get in bed and try and start tomorrow. It's that day when you get a phone call and someone that's dear to you has passed away and you're not sure what you're going to do tomorrow, let alone how you're going to get to the funeral, but you do it anyway. And when the funeral's over, you go home and you cry. It's that day when maybe your decision or somebody else's decision has a really harmful direct effect on you and you don't know what you're going to do next but you just keep going. That's the challenge. Real people have real problems. But real people also have real faith. And one of the challenges is uh, to have that real faith and try and use that real faith in a real world that's really hard. I mean... People who have been doing this for a long time have real struggles doing that, let alone uh, maybe someone, some of you this morning have come to church for the first time and, and you're trying to figure out how we do this out there because there's a whole bunch of examples of people who can't do this out there. But there are a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of examples of people who do this out there. Real, pa- real people who have real faith in a real world. And that's what the book of James is all about. There are lots of other areas of Scripture that sometimes can have flowery language and, and uh, maybe speak in words that you may or you may not get. But James is a lunch pail blue collar guy. And he gets right down to the heart of matters and he speaks very matter-of-factly. For the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at the book of James so that we can have a look at real faith and be able to then use real faith in a real world. Today, when we open up the first chapter of this book, I I want us to to learn that real faith is a growing faith. It's not something that you walk in here and you stand up and sit down a couple of times and you say a few things and that's it. There's no more. There's, there's, there's no energy. There's no uh, live, uh, living this. No, James wants you to know that there is energy and it is worth it. And it does matter. And that's what we're going to learn today about real faith being a growing faith. We're going to open up with James chapter 1. Let's read what he has to say, starting with the second verse. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. Now, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith, in God, uh, faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, because their loyalty is divided between God and God. And the world They are unstable in everything that they do. Believers who are poor, well, they have something to boast about, for God has honored them. and those who are rich rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises, and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God's never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled. My dear brothers and sisters, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. We just sang that. You are perfect in all of your ways. Is a gift coming down from God our Father who created us, created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shift, shifting shadow. He chose to give us birth by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. As I said before, James speaks very, very matter-of-factly. And he does what uh, many authors Uh, uh, it's not that they're not trying. His intention was to help you and I to take what we hear here and what we think here out there. And one of the things that he says is that real faith, when it's all said and done, real faith sees troubles as an opportunity to grow. As an opportunity. Now, don't you love that? Don't you love it when, when people, uh, when you're going through just like the worst week you've had in quite a long time. Um, don't you love it when you, uh, I, I, somebody, I was reading on Facebook, a friend of mine uh, yesterday put this meme up that said, um, uh, uh, I've been trying to save and save and save to get something I really, really want. And don't you know, today the check engine light goes on. Right? And that seemed to be, and it's not just the check engine light. The dishwasher goes, and the dryer breaks, and the dog takes off, and so on, and all those other kinds of things. And you know what's really, really fun? You're trying to put on a smile. You come into a place like this, and everybody's greeting and sharing donuts and all kinds of fun stuff, and you're just, you're just trying to survive. And somebody walks up and says, hey, you, you doing all right? And you start to talk about just one of the seventeen things that have gone on in the past week, and then somebody says to you, Well, what doesn't kill you makes you And you're thinking, for crying out loud, if I go through one more thing, I'm gonna be the freaking Hulk. That's how strong I should be. Right? The problem is you're sick and tired of being strong. You're just sick and tired. And it's hard but god says this is an opportunity to not necessarily to make our bodies grow or our physical strength but our spiritual strength our endurance that's what he says our faith has a chance to grow through all of this that's why our faith has to be tested Faith that's not tested has no value. It it, it just doesn't. Untested faith is kind of like an idea. It's something about God. That's what that is. But tested faith, that is altogether different. Tested faith is both historical and it's personal. It's a reference point for gratitude. It says right here... On this day and in this place, God came through for me. He kept a promise. It can't be erased. It can't be denied. It happened in my life, and I know that it happened. It's a touchstone for us. And as we line these stones up, it becomes a pathway for living. And and there's a track record now. There's a moment there that adds to another moment, that adds to another. And that is how James says it. That's what's encouraging. That's what's so exhilarating. He kind of makes it very, very matter of fact when he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, I know that sounds, again, counterintuitive, But it's not as if we're running the race and we cross the line and there are 15,000 people cheering on because you don't need 15,000 people. You just need to know that God was with you and it doesn't matter anymore if someone else thinks that what I believe doesn't matter, if someone else could care less what I believe, you know what happened. And your friend that you're sitting next to right now hears about it. You see him next Sunday and you just nod your head and you smile. God came through. God came through. It's that track record that helps us to be able to measure, measure how we grow in our faith. But can you really? I mean, when I use the word measure, it, it kind of has this perspective of a ruler or, or some kind of instrument that can say, you've grown this much. Is that possible? James says it is. Not only does faith have the opportunity, to, uh, in our faith do we have the opportunity to grow, but he gives us a, just a couple of different things that we really can measure in our growth. The first thing that he says is that real faith grows in endurance. Real faith grows in, in our endurance our our willingness to just keep going and sometimes it's it's a really good day and we're just running and 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 we're pumping our arms and we're breathing really really smooth and we're in we're in rhythm and uh we got our our air in our ears and we're having a great time and the doobie brothers are cranking and we're doing all right right are you guys laughing at the doobie brothers don't ever do that again <laughs> all right just i'm just saying all right um no we're just we're just having a good time Right, uh, He says, uh, when our faith is, te- is tested, endurance has a chance to grow. A chance. The use of that word is significant because if you and I want to, we can opt out. We can say, listen, I know I'm supposed to run uh, 26 miles, but I'm just going to run 20 because, hey, it's, it's 20 miles. I mean, who else is running 20 miles? I mean, 80% is good enough. It's saying, God, I know that you've got some things in store for me. Uh, and you may have four or five lessons, but I've got three of them down right now. And today, that's, that's, that'll be good enough. That'll be okay. It's saying, God, I, I don't want to be strong anymore. And I'm just tired. And I can't see anything good coming from what I'm going through. And so I'm out. I'm out. Anybody ever been there? I have. I have. I'm just too tired. And I opt out. And every time I opt out, I wish I wouldn't have. One of the ways that we decrease our chance to grow is when we say we're not going to be angry at this situation or that person anymore. We're going to finally just let it go. And we aren't angry anymore, but we don't forgive. Kind of like having a marker to say, if I want to, I'm going to go back to being angry. again. One of the ways that we decrease the chance to grow is when we say okay God I've I've tried this and I've tried that and I've been in control for both of those opportunities and now I I I don't know what to do so I'm just going to turn control over to you here it is God here's the mess here's my life here you go and and we go on for a week or a month or a year and then it gets really really challenging again and we start to doubt and we start to worry God are you going to come through and uh, we we just can't we can't face it anymore. We say, I, I can't wait anymore. I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And we take control back over and make another decision. And we walk away from the opportunity to grow. One of the ways that you really can increase your endurance in your faith is by Praying. It sounds almost too easy, but I just want you to know that it's not just me I could point out a whole bunch of people some of whom are sitting right next to you that would say yes that's it. Why does that do that? The very posture the very attitude of prayer is an acknowledgement that i don't know uh, I don't know what I need to know I'm not strong enough to keep on going there's things God that I know that you have that I do not have that I need from you and so by just asking you and letting you know i 'm acknowledging that i'm not strong enough i'm not smart enough to keep on going but you are and so now i'm going to trust you and the simple acknowledgement of that it it doesn't have to be the physical posture but the mental the spiritual posture says god here and to be able to give it to him is so relieving i'm not in charge anymore god here that's how that works We ask God to help because the last time we asked him to help, we weren't patient enough. And the last time we asked God to help, we were impatient and so we said something we shouldn't have said because we didn't wait for God to give us the rest of the information that we needed. We ask God uh, to help and We gave up on it and bought something we shouldn't have bought because we couldn't wait for God to provide. We do this, we do that, and so on. We ask God to help us, and when He does, we're more patient. And we're more understanding. And we know it. It's a measurable thing. We're not thinking the way that we used to think. We're not doing the things that we used to do. We don't respond impatiently and impulsively anymore. We remember what we used to do. We can see that we're acting differently and we know it and it's measurable. Our endurance is growing. But it's not just our endurance that grows. It's our wisdom also. James reveals to you and I one of the most amazing things you'll find really in all the New Testament. It is, uh, it's the be- one of the best deals that you and I have available to us. He just simply says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. Just ask. Now, he doesn't say, uh, ask God. Now, right now, some of you are saying, wait, 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 I thought I heard that's exactly what you said. I, wait, no, I know that verse from James, and it says, ask God. And, and, and I have to acquiesce, y- you are right, but I'm bringing out a, a very specific context that he has here. He doesn't say, ask God. In this version, he says, ask our generous God. Generous means I'm not going to give you only what you need because I'm frustrated with you because you should have known better in the first place. And so I'm going to give you the things that you need because this is really all you should have had in the first place. That's not what James says. James says if you need wisdom, ask our generous God who gives more than you need. An overabundance of what you need. Because he knows that you need it. He knows there are things that you don't understand. He knows there are things that make you frustrated. And so he's going to give that wisdom so that you can understand and so that you won't be frustrated. And he doesn't do it begrudgingly. He says, ask and he will give it to you. I, 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 there are not enough spaces... For me to mark down how many times I have said to God, I don't, I don't know what to do next. I, I don't. I, I, I said it when the kids came home for the first time. I said it when they went to school for the first time. I said it when they had, we had troubles the first time. I said it, God, when I was getting out of the Navy. I, God, do you, re- what do you want me to do, God? I, I'm getting ready to go to this church. What do you want me to do, God? I'm getting ready to do this. I'm getting ready to do that. I don't know. I, I can't tell you how many times he's given me wisdom. He gives to each and every one of us. And there's such a blessing there when he does. Uh, One of the other things he says there in that section is that you and I aren't supposed to tell God, stop tempting me. Assuming that he is. That's not how that works, by the way. Now... Does anybody, anybody here have kids? Okay. Some of you reluctantly raised your hands. They're okay. They're good. They're good. All right. Just trust me. Um, yeah, have your kids ever said to you, but he told me to. All right. Yeah. Whatever form that comes in. We don't buy it from our kids when they say that to us. So why should God buy it from us when he said, you, you're the one that tempted me? No, that's not where temptation comes from. And James, with his lunch pail and blue collar, basically says, that's got nothing to do with anybody else. You wanted to do that. You wanted to say that. You wanted to feel that way. And you didn't have the strength to say no. That's the bottom line. Because temptation comes, he says, from our own desires. And when those desires take root, they start to get some legs to them when they do that. Sin takes over and it leads never to joy, but to death. But you see, when we start to acknowledge where we're weak, when we start to acknowledge sometimes when we've been angry, when we've been jealous, when we've been envious, and so on and so on, what that is, is wisdom. I know this about me. I understand this about me. And because I understand this about me, I'm not going to go over there. And there's a person over there that I have difficulty with. It may have something to do with them, but it's got a lot more to do with me, and so I'm not going to go there. I'm going to resist. I'm going to have e-courage, if you will. And I'm not going to type the response that I want to type response on Facebook. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to respond to that text. I'm just not going to go there. Because this has got nothing to do, really, with that person or what they're saying. It's got everything to do with me. And when you acknowledge those weaknesses... That's wisdom. And that is measurable. And when you see that, you know you're growing. James says we can grow in wisdom, we can grow in endurance. And lastly, he says we can grow in faith. I mean, in trust. Our, Our faith can be relied on because our faith is not about us, it's about God. He's the one that is reliable. You and I are just getting going. We're just growing in our strength. We're just beginning to add to our wisdom. But you see... As I said before, there's a track record that's involved here. We trust God, and God comes through. God comes through, and we trust Him. And the more that we trust Him, the more He comes through. The more He comes through, the more we trust Him. There's a track record there. It's stone after stone after stone. And for and after a while, it, it's, it's 100 yards, and then it's 500 yards, and then it's two miles, and then it's a lifetime. It's a track record. And people can point out, and they can say, some of them sitting right next to you can say, listen. I have messed up, but God never messes up. When I lean on Him, He is reliable. And there are times when I've asked Him for things and He hasn't provided them because He knows that's not what I needed. But in turn, the thing that He did provide was exactly what I needed. That's how good God is. And you and I can trust Him. And that track record Is immeasurable. You can measure endurance. You can measure wisdom. And you can measure trust. But there's more. Real faith can grow, and it can grow in endurance and wisdom and trust. But here's a really good one. Real faith distinguishes the things that are from God and the things that aren't. And it's not, it doesn't take a, Two degrees in theology to figure this stuff out. God doesn't work that way. He doesn't make it difficult. James says um, um, that whatever is good and whatever is perfect is a gift coming down from God, and God never changes or casts a shifting shadow. God doesn't change the rules midstream he doesn 't do that God doesn 't lead you and I in the ways that He wants us to the places that He wants us to go, in the ways that He wants us to live, and then suddenly, halfway through or two thirds of the way, he goes up oh, i 'm out, you guys are on your own that 's not how God works that 's how some people in the world might work if they sense that their own well being or their own security is limited, but god 's not limited in security he 's not limited in resources he 's not limited in understanding which means he doesn't have to abandon us and won't. That's how that works. So when we start to think things that might be counter to the way that he's been leading us, when we start to want to do things that are really against the way that you and I, even whatever level of understanding that we have, we, and he, to kind of break those rules, that we know that's not from God, that's from us. That's not about the way that he leads us. It's the way that we lead ourselves. He said, don't be misled. God doesn't lead you and me to a place, as I said, and then abandon us. He also doesn't lead you and I to places so that we would do things that are contrary to the way that he wants us to live. That's not from him. That's from us. So when things are difficult and we're tempted and we know God's going to say, don't go there, don't go there. Because the things that aren't from God don't bring us blessing or joy. It's just that simple. The things that are from him do. God doesn't bring heartache. He brings healing. God doesn't bring pain. He brings peace. God doesn't bring anger. He brings an attitude of gratitude. He really, really does. So when trouble comes our way, what we don't do is pray, Lord, can you just please stop this right now? What we do pray is, God, I, I'm tired and I'm worn out. But I've been in places like this before, and you were with me then, and you're going to be with me now. I'm not sure what this challenge is going to bring to me, but help me to have the strength to get through it, to see this through. That's how we pray. When things come our way that we don't understand, what we don't say is, God, why are you tempting me? What have you done? What we do say is, God, I've asked for wisdom before and you helped me. There were things that I didn't understand and you explained them to me. Lord, you've been with me before. You're going to be with me again. And whatever I need to know, let me know that so that when it's all said and done, I can honor what you've taught me. That's how we pray. And and when we're wondering if God's forgotten about us because everything that's going on, one hit after another, the check engine light, the the breaking of the uh, appliances, you're you're arguing with your spouse, your kids are getting frustrated, and things are just going completely off kilter. God, please. I've been here before. And you were with me there before. Lord, there's a track record in my life of when times were chaotic, but you never left me and you're not going to leave me now. I will trust in you. Last month, Micah Herndon ran in a marathon. And he had the names of his friends tattooed on his hand. And notwithstanding the fact that he was exhausted, he crawled to the finish line. Now, as I said before, I don't know anybody here who has run in a marathon, but I know that some of you are running in hard times right now and you're tired and you're wore out. You may not have the names of friends tattooed on your hand, but you have the name of a risen Savior in your mind and in your heart. And while you may be tired and you may be worn out, he is not tired and he does not wear out. And I guarantee you, on those days that you want to crawl and on those days that you want to quit and you keep on going, when you get to that finish line, you won't be tired. And it'll all be worth it. Because God is running with you. And God cares about you. And he knows what you're going going through. And he is not going to let you run alone. Every week when we get together, we celebrate communion. That is when we have some people who are going to come and get some trays just now. And in those trays are small pieces of bread and small cups of juice. Those trays, uh, the emblems in those trays, represent the body of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. That's where this all takes place. Now, talk about something that you can take out of here that's real faith for a real world. I know that some of you are tired. I know that some of you are exhausted. I know that some of you are wore out. And if you're not right now, you were not too long ago. And by taking this, we're remembering what Jesus did for us. We're remembering that Jesus wants us to do this uh, each time we gather together so that we don't forget that he hasn't forgotten about us. And the hope that we have in him gives us strength and encouragement to live for Him this week. Let's pray. God, thanks so much. Thanks for making us strong when we're weak. Thanks for giving us wisdom when we don't understand. Thanks for reminding us of times past when we were worried, but You came through. Over and over God, this is the story of our life. This is the hope that you bring. This is the joy that may not make sense to a whole bunch of other people, but you speak to us and you encourage us and you bless us. And Lord, we can only worship and thank you. And so God, as we are here today and we remember what Jesus has done for us Lord we, we want you to know that even with your encouragement sometimes we're still tired and even with your wisdom sometimes there are things we don't get we humbly acknowledge that we need you not just when the days are bad but we need you every day and so, God, know that we love you, know that we trust you. And even though today may be gloomy and wet, and sometimes our hearts mimic that very scene, Lord, we know you're going to bring the sun really, really soon. So bless us today. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.